Unspoken Issues. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Unspoken Issues podcast. And we are returning to form. That's right. Chris Armstrong is here. I got the opportunity to come up with something this time. It was right around Halloween. And I was like, what, what is it that we could do that? I mean, throw a poll out there that would feel somewhat of the holiday. Okay. Halloween, it's spooky time. You know, it's, it's creepy. It's spooky. It's altogether ooky out there. <laughs> and I thought to myself, Freddy versus Jason versus Ash battle of the adaptations, comic book adaptations in the 1990s of a Friday, the 13th book nightmare on Elm street book and a adaptation of something that is in the Evil Dead universe, and that I landed on was Army of Darkness. Those three properties are what I was shooting for. Freddy versus Jason versus Ash, but again, battle of the adaptations of the movie. So, Chris Armstrong, what'd you think of that? Did you think it was a good idea? Uh, yeah, very cool idea. I, you know, if it wasn't for the fact that it was released in the 2000s, just doing Freddy versus Jason versus Ash would have been cool, because that's a, <laughs> that's a really cool book. But uh, yeah, I think this is, the Army of Darkness adaptation is the only evil dead comics from the nineties that I'm aware of. So okay, okay. Uh, there are, I think there are several other Friday the 13th and uh, nightmare on street property comics from the eighties and nineties, but the poll results went like this. So I had the poll out there on our Facebook page, unspoken issues podcast. Check that out on the Facebook page. It was Freddie's dead. The final nightmare from innovation, 1991. Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday, from Topps Comics, 1993, and then Army of Darkness from Dark Horse, 1992. And the clear winner, by quite a margin, uh, was <laughs> Army of Darkness. It doesn't surprise me. If you People look at... I, yes, they do. Yes, they do. They love old Ashley J. Williams, right? Is that his last <laughs> I name? I think that's right. Yeah, all right. I took that one right off the top of my head. So here's here's how it broke down. Let me let me do this. Facebook wise, Freddie's dead, which got z almost zero love. We got ten votes total on Facebook, so ten percent of ten votes would be one, right? <laughs> so <laughs> Freddie's dead. The final nightmare got one vote. Jason goes to hell. The final Friday got three, and then six out of the ten was Army of Darkness. Now over on Twitter, we got a little bit more uh, interaction there with a total of thirty votes. Freddy's dead once again, the clear loser, man. And I, <laughs> I, do you, I mean, have you ever read any innovation comics? No, I have not. I've heard of the, of the publishing, but I've never read any of their books. I don't think. Yeah. They're not well received. Um, <laughs> I, I guess well, I, that's probably the best way that I could put it. They had a lot of like licenses specifically. I know for a fact that Mark and I talked about lost in space on the source material podcast and innovation had that license, but my goodness, I mean, you talk about some risque stuff in a lost in space book. <laughs> Is uh, it, was it based on the TV show or the movie from the nineties? No, it was definitely based on the TV show. Okay. This was early nineties. The you're thinking of that late nineties one with uh math, Matt LeBlanc. Yeah. 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 One of my favorite movies, by the way. A lot of people hate it. I like it. <laughs> I have never seen it. The To me, it's best known as the movie that finally beat Titanic at the box office, ending oh, its okay. uh, months-long run as the number one movie every weekend. One of the first few DVDs that I owned was of Lost in Space. 
It was actually pretty decent. But anyway, we did like, I think, four issues of it. I can't remember, but there was, was some... Was that in conjunction with the Netflix show coming out, I guess? Yeah, I think Mark probably synergized it with that. Yeah. Just to see I haven't watched can... that yet, but it looks cool. I'd like to watch I've it. Heard, I've, I've seen the first three or four episodes, but I stopped for some reason. It still looks mm-hmm. really good. They also did a Quantum Leap comic, which I really want to read, but uh, from what I heard, it's not good. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I don't know why Innovation got such a bad rap, but I mean, they've got, they had some licenses at the time. But anyway, clearly either people didn't like the movie Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, which I've heard is not great either. Mm-hmm. But I mean, what are your thoughts on the movie Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare? You got any? My thoughts are I watched it once and I all I remember about it is that I didn't like it. So. Okay. All right. <laughs> I don't really have any, uh, I don't even remember what it's about. Like, I mean, they're all about pretty killing teenagers, but I don't really remember specifics about it. I'm all caught up on small screeners slash uh, because movies. And (laughs) so you did, I know you guys were touching on the nightmare, looked at the original and looked at the remake. Is that how that you guys were doing that? Yeah. And then we talked a little bit about the franchise, but not, not a ton. Cause I mean, you didn't go into each, you didn't go into each movie. No. Okay. Because I do not remember you guys talking about this one. (laughs) Freddie's dead. And I was like, man, I can't remember if you guys covered it or not, but okay. I think AJ went into more detail, but my, my position was basically outside of one and three. I've only seen the others basically once and I don't really like any of the others that much. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, over on Twitter. So that was 10% of the vote yet again out of 30 votes. So that's three votes. And then Jason Goes to Hell, again, coming in second here. This got 33.3 of the 30 votes that are out there. So yeah, very close again to 30% on our Facebook poll. Uh, Jason Goes to Hell the final Friday. I don't know if I've ever watched it. Yeah, I don't really like it. Um, it has its fans. But, yeah, it's just kind of a weird movie like it opens very cool with like maybe a 10 or 15 minute sequence, maybe not even that long of a girl at the camp by herself. She gets stalked by Jason. They chase, he chases her down and she is basically, she's oh, leading him into a trap. Yes. And then these cops show up or maybe feds or whatever. And they blow him away and literally like explode Jason's head. Right, dude. I remember I was actually reading the comic cause I, this was before the poll was over. I jumped into Jason Goes to Hell, but I remember reading like the first few pages of this because I'd never watched the movie. I was like, everybody knows about Jason now. Like (laughs) every like the FBI is here. They throw a somebody. I remember there's a panel where a rocket is like (laughs) coming down to hit Jason. And yes, he gets exploded pretty badly in that comic. It's pretty boring. The the movie basically from that point takes – I'll just oversimplify it. Jason works more like a virus where like, I think the first person to get infected is the coroner. That's like examining his body. And then he becomes Jason sort of for a while. And then it just kind of transfers to different people as the movie goes on. I didn't really, Uh, I didn't like it. It's, it's pretty weird. Props to them for doing something different, I guess, but. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Then we have army of darkness. Uh, This is the third installment. King baby. Oh my goodness. Third installment of. The Evil Dead franchise, picking right up where Evil Dead 2 left off. Let me give my personal experience with the movies, and bear with me. I don't know if you and I have ever talked about Army of Darkness and Ash or anything like that, but Mm -hmm. the movie came out in 92 as well, right? Uh, I must have if the book was out that year. I thought it was 93, but if the book came out in 92, I guess that's when the the movie came out. Let's look. Oh, you know what? Release date's February 19th, 1993. Oh, okay. There's a film festival. 
and it was released in uh, on October 9th of 1992. So it was at uh, a film festival, I guess. Right. And then got a wide release in the United States February 19th of 1993. Okay. Interesting then. We've got a book that was on shelves. Now I got to look up the adaptation to see when this dropped. Could you imagine like well, I mean, it wouldn't be a huge surprise just because I know novelizations used to come out before the movies a lot of times. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Uh, okay. Even even up to recent, I think even, um, you know, they don't do novelizations like they used to. But one of the big movies, I don't think it was uh, a Star Wars movie. But one of the, There was a big blockbuster in the last like five years that released the novel like a couple of weeks before the movie came out. Maybe it coincided with the international release of the movie or something like that. Okay. Um, it hadn't been out. It had been released in America when the book had come out. So it's not like totally unheard of, but it is kind of unusual, I think. Gotcha. Gotcha. So listen to this release date schedule for these three issues of Army of Darkness from Dark Horse. November of 92, issue one. Mm-hmm. December of 92, issue two. October of 93 is issue three. That's that is weird. like huge. That's a huge gap of time. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Are you on Mike's Amazing World? Uh, no, this is EvilDead.Fandom.com. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, and they definitely restate it in the paragraphs. It was released by Dark Horse Comics from November of 92 to October of 93. Hmm. Let's just look and see if they even talk about some of the... Yeah, I'm just curious why it was such a long delay. Same here. Like, I mean, do you not want to give away the movie? Because you don't really give away the movie. Yeah, in especially, the book. yeah. Yeah, they do not say why but yeah man that is a huge like i mean almost a year mm-hmm. that's doesn't make a whole lot of sense as to why they did that i'm sure they had their reasons but i mean that's got to be something along the lines of like i Maybe mean it, it could just the the art was taking you know a long time or something like that that could be that's that's one month shy of a year since the first issue had dropped okay yeah talk, back to what i was talking about so i was trying to figure out where, where this all started was when did this comic book drop and when did the movie drop I remember watching the trailers for this movie. I knew about Evil Dead 1 and Evil Dead 2, but they're calling this Army of Darkness. And I had mm-hmm. I had never watched the first two Evil Deads because I'm a you know pansy. And that <laughs> that kind of stuff scared me, especially as a kid. I didn't I remember the cover of Evil Dead 2 and just going, Nope, I'm never going yeah. to I'm never going to pick that up. At the, you know, at the mom and pop video store, never going to rent it, never going to watch it. So I didn't have any idea that these two things were related. So Army of Darkness drops. I don't go watch it in the theaters, but I immediately rent it on VHS as soon as it hits. You know, you, you get the whole intro as to what's going on. And, and I'm like, wow, man, we're, we're really like jumping into this. What a crazy <laughs> backstory. Uh, <laughs> so when you saw the 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 prologue did you realize that was part of the evil dead movies or not i don't think i did at that time i really don't think i did i think i had to figure that out on my own somehow the thing is is i don't know how i would have come about that information unless somebody told me what was we're talking 92 i didn't have ease of access to the internet the internet's out Mm -hmm. there but i don't have ease of access to it so i have no idea how i found out about it but at some point i realized that holy crap there's two of these that happened before this. So I made it a mission to go and watch the first two after I'd watched the third one. Really loved the third one, by the way. Loved Army of Darkness. I loved everything that happened in it. I loved how funny it was, along with, you know, the gore and the just Sam Raimi, which, you know, at the time I, I didn't know who Sam Raimi was. Yeah. 
but man, is that a signature film style? <laughs> wow. Yeah, we went and watched Doctor Strange, and I'm going there with the kids, and I told Caleb, my oldest boy, I said, I want you to pay attention to how this movie is. And I said, when we go home here in about a week, we're going to watch Army of Darkness. <laughs> and I want you to understand that he is probably one. And I know that there's plenty of filmmakers and other directors out there that have their own kind of signature style. But mm -hmm. Sam Raimi's is like so obvious. Yeah. Like you yeah. know a Sam Raimi movie just if you didn't know who did Army of Darkness, didn't know who did Doctor Strange, you're going to be able to see <laughs> there are parallels yeah, as yeah. to what's, you know. Uh, you know, he did the, the original Spider-Man trilogy from right. the 2000s. And the, the best example of Raimi-esque um, style in the Spider-Man trilogy is in part two, the, the, Doctor, Strange, uh, the Doctor Octopus uh, oh, surgery the sink, surgery like a horror yes. movie basically <laughs> yes dude so it wild really and there's a little chainsaw like sound effects in there right right so anyway i go back and watch the first two i think at this point in time i've got my own vcr i've got my own console tv in my room sitting on the floor it's huge and i bring some buddies over and we sit down and we watch the first i think we watched the first two and wow was that a different tone than the, <laughs> the third one yeah jeez criminy man i remember coming out you know after watching those and uh, which one is it where the girl gets her leg spread and the vine gets shoved up her? First one. is yeah. that the first one uh, and tell me if this is happening in the second one when they're in the cabin they're standing above the trap door and the lady grabs like a pencil and that's out that's also in the first one is that in the first one okay yeah, i'm gonna the have ankle, to I, the stab in the ankle yes dude and she's yeah. like oh my gosh i remember so again Something that has stuck with me to this day. Uh, what happens in the second one then? Like, is, are they still, they go back out to the cabin or something? Well, the, the second one, it, it's kind of debated whether the second one is a remake or a sequel. Because it kind of plays more like a remake. Only there's only Ash and his girlfriend instead of his other friends. Okay. Um, and it kind of quickly goes through him and his girlfriend going and him having a killer and stuff. Uh, that happens pretty quickly in, in Evil Dead 2. And then he's just by himself for a while until some other people show up. So I don't think you're supposed to think about it too much I think, <laughs> oh, okay. as far as whether they're sequels or because or, it seemed like in the second one, Raimi had a little more money. He wanted another he wanted another stab at that first one, but he made it a lot more zany. It's more like a comedy, really like a horror comedy, uh, whereas the first okay. one is kind of a serious for the most part. Well, uh, maybe, movie. maybe that's what I am getting it confused with. Like I, so I thought one as like the witch in the cellar. It comes up and attacks him. Uh, it's got the trees coming to life at the end. Does this have the uh, the deer on the wall? Yes. The deer head yeah. on the wall? Okay. Yeah, right. and it's the first time he gets his... It's when he cuts his hand off and the hand attacks him, and he gets the chainsaw hand and everything in the second one. It's been so long since I've seen that second one. <laughs> D correct me if I'm wrong. What's the VHS cover look like uh, the, for the second the, one? The standard cover that I always remember is just the skull with the eyeballs. In okay. It. Yes, yes, yes. And it's kind of looking at you out of the like yeah. kind of sideways. Okay. All right. Yeah. That nope. That is probably like <laughs> nope. Jesse Starcher's not going to be getting that. Okay. All right. So let me step back. Give me give me your history about the uh your uh Army of Darkness slash uh Evil Dead history. <laughs> well, my first exposure to Army of Darkness is I think for a lot of people my age, which I was like I would have been just about to turn 13 when it came out if it was early uh, 93. So my first exposure was the ads in all the comics. Cause there are a lot okay. of 
you know, full page ads and comics of just the poster of Army of Darkness, basically. And uh, I didn't really care about watching it. I remember I had a friend who wanted to see it, and I think he, him and his older brother knew about the, the whole series, but I didn't realize it was part of a series till much later. So I didn't see it when I was a kid. I think I was, it was probably like my junior or senior year of high school. I was probably, so I'm talking probably like 98 around there. Okay. And I just, for whatever reason, I guess I was starting to get into like into horror movies, and I was trying to watch a lot of like the classic horror movies and stuff. And that's when I sort of learned that Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and Army of Darkness were all part of the same series. I got really excited about watching them for, and I don't remember specifically why. I didn't, I know Raimi had not been announced as the Spider-Man director yet, so I didn't really care about that. Uh, I think I was just excited to watch these highly regarded horror movies or whatever. So uh, we had a Hollywood <laughs> video in our town. We didn't have a blockbuster even at the time. So I went and I was going, I'm going to run all three of them because I knew I'd seen them there before. And I show up and they only have Army of Darkness in stock. The other two are rented out. So I can't wait. I go ahead and rent Army of Darkness. Oh, wow. Wow. You're like, it. okay. So you and knew I think, this I, I, think I knew that they were all kind of like you could watch them independently and it didn't really matter that much. Right. Um, so I watched that one. Really liked it. Went back a few days later. They only had Evil Dead 2, and they didn't have the first one. So I rented the second one. So I ended up watching them in reverse order. Eventually, I got to all of them. But yeah, I watched them in reverse order. So Army of Darkness was the first one I watched. And um, yeah, I loved it. Loved Bruce Campbell in it. Uh, became a big fan of him. I want to say early 2000s when they announced Raimi was the one doing Spider-Man. I was just like over the moon. Like, oh, this oh, yeah? guy's going to do the Spider-Man movies? This is amazing. This could be this could be really great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've always loved the, the Evil Dead movies. But yeah, I didn't see them until I was uh, late late in my teenage years. And I, I watch them pretty regularly still. I watched all three of them earlier in the summer because there's a uh, Blank Check podcast. I don't know if you've ever listened to it. It's a movie podcast. And they were covering Sam, Sam Raimi's filmography. Oh, yeah. So I just uh, started at the beginning and watched all of Raimi's movies this summer. Uh, even a few that I had never seen before. <laughs> oh, um, so I finally actually saw, uh, you know, everything of his that I'd never seen. Do you have a favorite Raimi movie? Uh, it's hard to, I mean, it's definitely Spider-Man 2. Yeah, that's that's um, probably, I've not watched as many as you have probably, but I would say Spider-Man 2 is going to be on top of a lot of people's lists. Yeah, like I'm predisposed to like that anyway because it's a comic book thing. Right. So if you kind of take the Spider-Man movies out of it, Evil Dead 2 is probably my favorite. It's my favorite of the of that trilogy for sure. But, yeah. Um, a Simple Plan is also really good. Have you ever seen A Simple Plan? You had mentioned it, I think, either you uh, or AJ had mentioned it on the podcast. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit on one of those. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's kind of like a Coen Brothers crime movie. It, it's okay. really, really good. So I'd definitely recommend that one, too. <laughs> okay. All right. I like it. Uh, yeah, Army of Darkness ran away with this. Uh, you know, Unspoken Issues podcast there, the podcast Facebook page, 60% of the vote. So that's six out of 10. And then over on our Twitter, 56.7% of the vote there, very close to Facebook as well. So the, you're, you're talking Army of Darkness is well received. The one thing that I wanted to kind of get into with this whole poll was just to see how far the adaptation was going to kind of go from the the movie itself. Mm -hmm. um, I have an adaptation of Superman four and it is probably one of the worst adaptations I've ever read <laughs> of a movie. <laughs> that, made, that put me on a path at one point yeah. to be like, Oh man, I've got to start looking at these adaptations because some of them are just wildly different from the movie. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering if that's what we would get with what we have. If the other two would have won, I would have had to have put my big boy pants on and watched uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street 
because I've never watched that one and I've never watched Jason Goes to Hell. But this one I did. And I'm glad it won out. Yeah, going through this, let's see. Uh, you know, I'm taking I'm trying to take notes of what the differences are. You're going to know better than me on some of these things. I know you got your notes here. If you were to sum up what happens in Army of Darkness, do you think you could do that, Chris, to the to our listeners and let them know kind of what <laughs> happens to Ash and tell them what happens in Army of Darkness? So our hero, Ashley J. Williams, uh, after the events of Evil Dead 2, has found himself transported to medieval times where he is quickly taken captive by some soldiers. They try and execute him. He, he gets out of that. And uh, the, the wise man of this kingdom believes that uh, Ash is the chosen one who will lead their land out of the cover of darkness that has taken over them of late. So they send Ashley to retrieve a book that is supposed to have some uh, spells in it that can A, send Ash back to his own time, and B, save this kingdom from uh, the darkness that's overtaken their land. And it's the Necronomicon, which is the same book that sent Ash back in time from from the previous movie. He gets the book, screws up in the process, and unleashes even more evil. And then he has to lead these rabble of soldiers into an epic battle with deadites and skeleton soldiers and demons before eventually overcoming the odds. And, okay, so in the movie, yeah, the wise man sends Ash back to his own time. He's back working at S-Mart, his 9-to-5 job. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And... As the credits are about to roll, he's confronted by another deadite and right. takes care of business, gives a, a pretty lady in the store a kiss, and the <laughs> credits roll there. It's such a fun movie. Yeah. It really is. And Ash is just, uh, he's an arrogant uh, <laughs> asshole. Right, of a hero. Yeah. And you. What did your son think of it when he finally watched Army of Darkness? I didn't ask. Oh, that. dude, you know, it really starts to pick up when they throw Ash down into the pit. Mm -hmm. and he's facing off with whatever's down there. He's glued to the set at that point. Caleb's like, oh, <laughs> Ash just running off of the mouth when he comes back up. Caleb's like, this is going to be a funny movie, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah, buddy, this is going to be a good one. This is You're going to really enjoy this. So, yeah, he liked he liked watching it. With kids nowadays, it's really kind of tough to sit them down in front of a two-hour thing yeah. and them be enthralled or them be entertained with what's happening on the screen and not wanting to do something else. It's tough to do that. Well, that's it, one of the good to... things about, especially the early rating movies, there's shit happening constantly. Like, yeah. Yeah. It, it moves quick and it's only, you know, this one's only, I was surprised. It's only like an hour and 20 minutes. Right, dude, it's under, minutes. it's under the 90 minute threshold. Yeah. I think the director's cut may be a little longer. I'm not certain, but mm. yeah, th this cuts on the, the theatrical cuts only 90 or 80 minutes. We exactly. need more movies like that. <laughs> right, dude. If you can get right to it. And that's one thing that you write. This movie has no problem putting you right into the action and keeping it going. Anyway, Ash as a hero, though, I think is what's appealing about this movie to me, because even though he's an arrogant jerk, it's just so funny to watch him react because he's got this attitude and he's constantly belittling all the villagers of this time. Right, right, right. OK, so there you go. There's Army of Darkness, the movie, the creative team of this Army of Darkness movie adaptation. So it's based off of the screenplay by Sam Raimi and Ivan Raimi, brothers I don't know yes, anything about yes, Ivan Raimi is Sam's brother. Yeah. Okay. And then it says Renaissance pictures adapted from the original screenplay and illustrated by John Bolton. And when we say illustrated, uh, according to what I was seeing here, he's pencils, he's colors. Yeah. Um, he does the whole shebang. It seems like they just gave him the script and he just 
you know, there's not like a lot of times when they do adaptations, they'll even if they're using the movie's, you know, screenplay or whatever, there will be a writer who adapts it. But this seems to be just like they gave him the script and said, hey, do paint it and we'll publish it. (laughs) Right. Lettered by Pat Brousseau. There you go. There's our creative team. Now, my my first issue notes here. There's a couple interesting things that I picked up on the first issue. Uh, Ash has an engineering degree, apparently, (laughs) which is funny because the bro used medieval tech to build a functioning cyborg hand. (laughs) But the guy works at S-Mart. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, at least in the yeah, because they don't mention in the movie that he has an engineering degree Mm-mm. it's just like oh this guy can make all this stuff with his <laughs> textbooks that he's got in the trunk of his car i guess <laughs> yeah uh, the absurdity is part of the fun i think <laughs> right, i agree as i'm going through the first issue i mean it's feeling like it's feeling very much like the movie to me very much the same dialogue you know we mm-hmm. aren't getting anything that kind of strays from a totally different ash here at all this is the ash williams we bruce campbell portrayed yeah and the dialogue is mostly uh, just straight from the movie for the most yeah. part. Now, one of one of the things I think they really set off here in the first issue, John Bolt can draw some monsters, man. <laughs> yeah. Wow. The whole pit scene, uh, you know, that pit scene that happens in the first part of the movie, clearly that's going to look a lot different because mm-hmm. the artist here can take so many liberties and make it look so much more gnarly. Yeah, than... he's doing more like a um, almost a Frank Frazetta style, like or, yes. or something you'd see in a Conan or uh, yeah, Conan the Barbarian book from the magazine from the seventies. <laughs> right. Yeah. Very much. I mean, it's well. How would you describe this art? Like they say, pencils and colors, but I mean, I feel like there's paint going yeah, on I, here. I assumed it was painted. It's kind of a photorealistic art style which sometimes i don't like uh, i do like this a lot though this seems like a cross between like alex ross and simon bisley mm-hmm. <laughs> i agree i agree it's it it's got that dark like griminess to it and i think that's because of the the paints themselves but yeah i will tell you right now i, I didn't look this up but this guy is very talented I recognize his name. I looked at his bibliography, and I don't think I'd read anything that he'd done. I'd seen some covers and stuff, I guess, that he had done. But this is the first book I've read of his, I think. Okay. Well, I will say that, in my opinion, what we get in here is just supreme talent. It mm-hmm. looks yeah, really good. He, yeah. And if he's just taking a script and, and putting it to paper, that's not easy. Yeah. I mean, you, you've got to try and get across the action. You've got to try and get across. And there's probably some key moments you know that are going to be easy to probably come up with in your head that need to be shown in the comic but damn i wonder if he had seen the movie or at least like maybe seen early cuts because there's some of these panels look like they're just directly he just directly painted the scene from the movie like right just certain images uh mostly facial expressions and stuff you know it's weird because like in beth david's character the female lead and bruce campbell they look like themselves pretty much in the yes book. they do and, you look at the wise man who was played in the movie by Mr. Pitt from Seinfeld, <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of Elaine's bosses. Uh, yeah. But in the book, he's just like this craggly old man with like huge crevices in his face <laughs> from all the wrinkles and stuff. Like he looks like a character from D and D or something. Yeah, he does. Man, does Bolton does some faces too? <laughs> like Ash's face at the beginning of this book, where he's getting sucked into the. Uh, sucked into the portal. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, some great expressions on some of the uh, some of the ash faces here. And that's kind of all I had for issue one. I was going to point out 
a couple of like smaller differences from the from the movie. Okay. In the first issue here, like the the scene in the pit uh, in the movie, there are only two deadites that Ash fights, but in the book, I mean, it looks like there are like ten or twelve. Maybe there's a bunch of them. Right. Um, in the movie, obviously smaller budget. They just did a couple, and then he got out. <laughs> And then the scene with the the witch that he fights when he's being fed the grapes and everything, uh, there's that big uh, thing where she's pushing the columns over and they kind of dominate. Yes. Uh, that's not in the movie at all. Uh, that's, the book. yep. That's one thing that I had written down as a question. Like, did yeah. that happen? Because I could not remember that happening at all in the it's movie. It's not, and I wonder if it's in the script and they just didn't have the budget for it or if it's just something that Bolton thought would be cool and threw it in there. Uh, right. Knows. Yeah, issue that's two. all I've got for the first issue, and I really like that that final image. I and you see, my I'm reading it out of this omnibus, so I'm not sure, but I assume the last page of issue one is Ash riding off on the horse. Last page of issue one, from what I can see, is actually just him uh, and his lady friend. Oh, okay. Standing in front of the moon, looking off into the distance. And so that's the first issue. The yep. first page of the next issue that I'm thinking of. Okay. Yeah. And then our second issue, I'm trying to think of where you're talking about there. Cause that, that does, it's not too long after that. Yeah. He's the very first page is him on the horse riding away from the castle. Gotcha. So that's our second Look issue. So horse. I know dude, <laughs> this might be one of my favorite parts of this movie is when he makes his way to the windmill. Mm-hmm. And the only note that I have for issue two is man, do I love the three stooges fight <laughs> between I think that might happen in the graveyard or at least when all the, you know, the, the skeletons, all the skeletons are coming up, yeah. poking people in the eyes and he's like sitting there doing that. Uh, but <laughs> we, we get some goofiness between Ash and he calls them the he me's <laughs> H E dash M E the he me's yeah. that he has to fight, which is hilarious to describe this to the people out there, if you've never watched this movie, Ash makes his way to this windmill and inside the windmill, he, he's trying to find cover for the night. But what ends up happening is the evil, I guess that has followed him here. The, the, I, I assume uh, that it's what it's often referred to. Is that what it's called? The first two movies, at least okay. in the first two. I don't know if they really use that. I mean, and that's never said in the movies. It's just what people like fans call it. I think. Yeah. It's, it's followed him in here and it's, it's giving him a hard time by at one point, I think Ash runs into a mirror, breaks this mirror apart. There's a bunch of little reflections of him, and these things come out of these reflections and they're tiny little versions of Ash. Mm-hmm. And they basically decide to try to do some Gulliver's travels type stuff where he's, <laughs> they poke him in the butt with a fork and then they tie him down and then they jump into his mouth. And it's just a big bunch of, comedic stuff going on here where they're trying to kill this guy and then the second version of ash grows out of himself yeah well the 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 hemis are able to force him to swallow one of them that's right right and so eventually it kind of starts to grow out of ash (laughs) again very grotesque Mm -hmm. very nasty and ends up being like this evil version of ash who they get into a fight one of you know they're both trying to kill each other and it ends up being Ash on the winning end. At least you think because he what decapitates this guy who's still, of course, this evil dude who's still alive, but he decapitates him, throws him in different bags and then buries him, thinking then that's the end of that. 
But uh, and then this is where he finds the Necronomicon in this issue. I mean, this is the exact same sequence that happens in the movie, yeah. isn't it? So Pretty much, yeah. there's, there's not much of a difference here. Uh, he gets sucked into one of the necro- the fake Necronomicons, comes out of there, and then ends up finding the other one, gets his hand bit, throws it in the air, flies back, hits him <laughs> in the back of the head. So all very, very much reminiscent or the how the movie was portrayed. Uh, the only thing I really had for for issue two was like because I you know I like I said I rewatched it this summer but then I watched it again yesterday. Ah, good. I'm glad had, you did. You said you were thinking about doing it. I wondered if yeah. you did. Okay. Well, I had ordered. Uh, I did. I placed an order from uh, Scream Factory. They did a 50 percent off sale in October, mm-hmm. and so one of the Blu-rays I got was the Army of Darkness because I've only seen it on VHS. And I've had a couple of different DVDs of this movie over the years, and they always are just like the quality is awful, especially the really? director's cuts. Yeah, especially the director's cut, which has like, I guess, just some of the scenes are so dark, it's hard to tell what's going on. Just really bad quality, picture quality. Huh. But this Blu-ray looks fantastic. So this is the first nice. time maybe I've ever seen it like in high quality, you know, picture and everything. So that was cool. But I noticed as I was watching it and I was kind of flipping through the issue. The, the everything pretty much takes place the same in the issue as in the as in the movie. It's a little out of sequence, like they kind of you know the 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 movie and the book the the sequence of events a little bit different. But other than that, pretty much the same stuff happens. You know, like I said, the director's cut, which has a much more of a downer ending that will which is what's in this book. We'll get to that at the end. There's also a different line in the movie as what's in the uh, director's cut. Where he oh, yeah? shoots evil ash in the face, and he says, uh, "I think he says good, bad. I'm the guy with the gun." After he shoots him, uh, yeah. And in the movie, in the director's cut, he has a different line that's not as good. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. Let me tell you, I actually took this note off of one of the comments from this okay. issue. Now, this might be it might line up with what you're saying. I don't know. He says this is based on the screenplay, not the movie. Yet the yet the line good, bad. I'm the guy with the gun is present here when the original line was I ain't that good. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Is that right? OK. Yeah, that's uh, from the direct. That's in the director's cut. Yeah. OK. Very subtle differences. So it's not like I guess so far what we can say is like not a whole lot of the vision was sacrificed for from the screenplay to the movie. Mm hmm. One of the things that kind of suck about comic adaptations a lot of times is you if you get basically the same story and you get like, you know, mediocre or subpar art that really it's yeah. like, why am I bothering? But with this, right. like you get like the perfect artist basically for for this story. The only right. issue I really have as far as that is some of the dialogue boxes and stuff like the the, the captions and text boxes. Sometimes it's hard to tell like. Sometimes I'm reading them out of order because of they're not laid out perfectly. Right, where they're at, yeah. That's the only, you know, complaint I really have. Why do you think this is so sought after? I know you said that, I mean... I assume it's because of a low, it had a low print run, maybe. Even though that it came out at a time when comics were kind of booming, it was Dark Horse, not Marvel or DC or Image. Right. So they probably weren't producing nearly as many books as, as those companies. And it was an adaptation for a movie that probably wasn't expected to be a huge hit. I don't think it was expected to be a bomb, although I think it kind of was a disappointment. <laughs> right. But I don't think it was expected to be a huge hit. And then so on top of that, I, I think they probably just didn't produce that many. And maybe there aren't just aren't that many around to. to gotcha. These days. Rarity. And it's and it's a cult classic like property. So. All right. Well, issue three. So, yeah, there are a couple of these 
things that I noticed in this that were a little bit different from what I remember. I don't recall Ash going and getting Henry or King Henry or whoever he was. Yeah. They just show up, don't they, in the movie? Correct. Um, There may even be like a drop line in there about like somebody going to like send someone to find Eric's men or something like that. I don't really remember. But yeah, in the movie, Ash definitely does not do it. But in the deleted scenes that I had actually never seen before, but they're on this on the Scream Factory uh, disc, I've got the two deleted scenes that are represented in this book. One of them is Ash going to uh, recruit Eric the Red and his men. Okay. Uh, and then there's also a scene where I forgot to cover it in the, the from issue two in the movie when he's in the windmill and he runs at the at the mirror and it shatters and that's where the Hemis come from. Mm-hmm. That all takes place in the windmill. But in the movie, there's an extended sequence that's very similar to like sequences from Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two, where Ash goes outside and he spends a few minutes kind of creeping around, hearing weird noises. Played mostly in, you know, silence. Right. Uh, outside of, like, the noises and stuff, the creepy noises and stuff. And then he finds his horse, and then he turns around and looks in the windmill from outside and sees the mirror, which is how it's represented in the comic. He's outside oh. and he sees the mirror and then runs inside and smashes into it. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that was all cut out of the actual uh, movie, but it's in the comic. But, yeah, the Eric uh, visiting Eric and recruiting them was also in the in the deleted scenes, but not in the actual movie. Yeah. Maybe the best illustration in the entire book is the woman whose name I, I can't recall. Sheila, is that her name? But when she gets uh, grabbed by the, the winged deadite and pulled into the air— and it's like it's basically like like got like a snake's body, and it's yep. wrapped around her uh, and pulls her up into the air. It's like a one-page splash. Uh, that's that's probably my favorite panel from the entire series. Really, it's very yeah, cool. very much like you said, a Frank Vazetta type feel. Got mm-hmm. this these damsels in distress at the mercy of these nasty monsters. <laughs> There's a lot of inner dialogue by Ash throughout this. His inner dialogue is like he's always pissed off about <laughs> something that somebody did. I, the, the notes that I have here is like Ash has a real hate for the elite. And I didn't really get this from him in the movie there. OK, we'll, we'll, we'll do this. Uh, the decisive factor in great battles is always hinged on having the technological edge, the better mousetrap. The Romans' use of bronze over crude iron, <laughs> the the longbow and the invasion of Normandy, or was it Waterloo? How the hell am I supposed to know? I never had time to do all the studying like you rich kids did. I'm like, who the hell is he talking to? <laughs> See, on one hand, he's like belittling all the commoners and the the people from this time that don't know. They didn't have the benefit of the education he got in the 20th century. Right. But he also hates the elites from his own time. Everybody's against him, basically. Right. The next dialogue box is some of us had to work for a living, stocking the shelves (laughs) at the S-Mart. So they're nice and neat, as you please, when you kids come in to spend daddy's money. Uh, Oh, yeah. He talks about how he's going to use his injuries for workers' comp when he gets home. (laughs) Like, he's going to go home and and fall in the aisle at S-Mart and then get some workers' comp. Uh, and the only other note I have here is like Ash uh, introduces steam power a little early in the timeline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, him got to do one of the coolest parts about the movie. And the, of course, the comic is, you know, him getting this 
car built into this massive war machine. Yeah. <laughs> it is so awesome. So Death awesome. Cart, basically. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's, you know, he's taking all these things and putting them on this car, using this blacksmith to make this stuff and his engineering degree, apparently. And he makes, you know, he makes he just this... needs that steam plant engineering book. That's <laughs> right, dude. <laughs> uh, but one of my favorite parts of the movie, and of course, when he unveils it and he's just like, you know, he's got the big helicopter blades on the front of that thing in the movie. And he's just <laughs> sending dead eyes flying or, you know, these, these skeletons with these, their jaws dropped open and then they're just flying <laughs> through the air. What a great shot. I, I don't know. The, the vehicle itself looks a little bit more mean than what we get in in the in the movie i don't know if that's i mean it's not too far off from what we get but in the movie it's just his car with a little bit of you know weaponry attached to it and stuff this looks like a totally different vehicle (laughs) yeah yeah it does so before we get into the ending of this what are your notes for the third issue uh, that's really all I've got. Uh, you know, I do like the, it's from the movie too, but like when things are looking really bad and they're getting overtaken, uh, Ash basically shits himself and runs, runs away. And Henry or, um, uh, Henry's the, the, uh, redheaded guy. Who, what's the King's name? Is it Arthur? Oh boy. I don't know. Arthur be, seemed to seem to be on the nose. Yeah. Uh, but the King, like, you know, thinks Ash has abandoned them. Then they, and it seems like he has, cause he's terrified, but that's when he busts back out with the death coaster and attacks all the, but yeah, I like the, him playing into like him being a huge coward when the, when the chips are down and he runs away, but yeah. it was a misdirect cause he comes back pretty quickly. This happens in the movie, right? This where he punches evil ashes, burnt face and it twists around. Does yeah. that happen? Okay. See, yeah. a, a lot of these beats are like, okay, I remember this. I remember this. The interesting thing here as we get into the end of this book is that I, I must have heard about the end of the screenplay probably within the last five years, Mm -hmm. but forgot completely all about it as I was reading the book and then realized like, Oh, that's right. It's based on the screenplay. And as we got closer to the end, I was really anticipating the end of this comic. So Mm -hmm. you, you have the floor, sir. Let our listeners know how this thing ends. Uh, well, you know, in the in the movie, like we said earlier, he he gets back to his own time successfully, uh, fights off a dead eye in the future, and that and, and kind of ends as a hero. But in the script and in this book, the the plan for him getting back to his own time is uh, the wise man concocts a potion and tells Ash, you have to take six drops, and every drop you take will let you sleep for a hundred years. So you need to sleep for 600 years. You'll awaken in your own time. Ash is a big screw up. So he ends up accidentally taking seven drops and he wakes <laughs> up a hundred years in his own future. And he, he walks out of the cave that he's been hiding in that he was supposed to sleep in for this time. And, uh, London, which is where he's, uh, his adventure takes place, uh, is in ruins. It's basically post-apocalyptic time, and he's like, "Oh, I slept too long," and that's how it ends. So a downer ending, which I had seen, you know, that ending because I have the director's cut. You know, going, through, you know, Evil Dead, the entire series is notorious for being one of those movies that has like the record for most DVD releases because it's oh wow, it's, every four or five years there's a new a new DVD coming out or yeah. Blu-ray or whatever. So. I had, you know, I recorded all these movies off on VHS that I had rented in, in late in my high school years, 
Yeah. And then once DVD became a thing, I was all over, you know, getting getting these on DVD. And the first Army of Darkness DVD I uh, had was the director's cut version. So I had seen the alternate ending from that. And that's and that's the one I've watched the most over the years because that's the DVD I've had. I've had a few other DVDs, but but the one I've seen the most is the one with the director's cut. And watching this theatrical cut again uh, in preparation for this, I remembered how much I like the original theatrical <laughs> ending. Uh, okay. It was way more fun, way more exciting. And I think the director's cut ending, the, the original ending, is more uh, appropriate maybe for the movie. Like, it's like because Ash is always getting screwed over. <laughs> right. But the the theatrical ending with him in S Mark and back in the future in S Mark fighting off a deadite, that sequence is outrageous and it's so much fun. So I like that. I like both versions basically. Okay. But yeah, this book ends with the the original ending of, of him waking up in the future. I did not know that there I mean it was actually filmed. I thought for some reason that this was something that they they completely decided, oh, we need to do a different ending. So we they didn't film no, it. I, so they there is I a filming. Yeah, the, you can probably find it on YouTube. I'm uh, going to have to. I'm going to have to go watch it. <laughs> but um, um, I think the studio was like, no, this ending is too much of a downer. You got to, you know, pep it up, basically. What was the end of Evil Dead 2? Evil Dead 2's ending is in the beginning when he does the recap. Right. Where he gets sucked into the portal. Yeah. He so lands, He lands in the desert and the, the uh, soldiers surround him. And immediately they think... Uh, that he's the chosen one and he realizes, Oh God, I'm in the past. <laughs> and okay. that's how it ends. So and, a similar ending really to evil dead Two, from what the army of darkness ending. That's uh, what I was going to say. It seems like it's very f- similar yeah. where, okay, well he's not in the past. He's in the future. Oh great. <laughs> what misadventures can Ash get into now? He's in the future. Uh, that's the way I took it. And so, yeah, as I'm reading this and I'm going through the end of this and I'm like, oh, yes, that's right. This is definitely different than what we get at the <laughs> end of because, I mean, it just snap cuts. We don't even talk about how he gets back to S-Mart. We, he, you know, mm-hmm. he's just he's at S-Mart telling his story to some guy who does not believe a word he's saying. Uh, to me, I was like, Ash in the future would be great to read. And I thought was my thought was like, this is where we would pick up. Well, I wondered what the story was going to be after this. Did they even have one? Having these DVDs for, for all this time, I've watched the uh, movies with the commentary tracks several times because the Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi commentary tracks are some of the best of all time. Like, especially the first Evil Dead movie, There's a there are two tracks. There's one with just Bruce Campbell by himself, which is hilarious and a great listen. And there's one that has Rob Tappert, the producer, and Sam Raimi, which is also really good. And then on Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness... The DVDs I had of those had like a bunch of different people on them, you know, uh, Ramey, Campbell, the producer, some of the other actors and stuff. So uh, those are all really entertaining to listen to. And they may have referenced plans in those that I don't remember. But yeah, I'm not sure. OK, I was a fan. I, I thought this was an awesome ending. I would have loved mm-hmm. to have had this ending in the movie, uh, but I understand the appeal of the other one as well. But I would have also loved army of darkness two or whatever the following thing would have been after this clearly what we end up with after this is ash versus evil dead right is there anything else that happens movie wise for there there was the evil dead reboot uh movie from 2013 um have you seen that with uh well nobody famous release and jane levy is the lead i guess and she's you would recognize her probably but uh, let me tell you something you guys explained what this movie did to you guys on the podcast. I yeah. am not going to watch it. 
<laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, it is some. There is some grotesque stuff in that one. It's great. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there. I mean, if you you should at least watch the Red Band trailer. <laughs> okay. All right. I can I can see, probably stomach that. Yeah, it'll give you an idea of what you're in for, and uh, as far as the movie itself. But yeah, and there are some people that say that that movie is kind of a sequel to the other Evil Dead movies. Like it, it just doesn't have Ash in it, but it's the same cabin and everything. Okay. Uh, I don't know if that's what the uh, what Raimi and 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 Campbell intended or not, but yeah, I, I even remember there was a rumor that there was a deleted scene where at the very end of the movie, the survived the last survivor of the of that Evil Dead reboot was going to be walking down the road trying to get back home, and a truck was going to pull over to pick her up and help her, and it was going to be Bruce Campbell in the truck. Okay. Uh, which would have been cool, but I don't think there's any truth to that. Bruce Campbell, I think, even said, we never felt anything like that. That's just something that somebody made up and put online. Uh, have you watched the series, like the Ash yeah, vs. Evil Dead? Uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead, yeah. I've, yeah. I've, I love that show. I think I went through the first season and a half, maybe. I might have got through the first two. There's three, right? Yes. The yeah. three seasons. I don't think I've watched the third one yet. Uh, but yeah, the third I love season it. is weaker, I think, than the first two. But um, it's still a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I really like that show. Well, we've reached the end of this, man. We have talked about Army of Darkness, the adap- mm-hmm. the movie adaptation from Dark Horse. Lots of fun. I mean, folks, I will tell you that you're not going to get, story-wise too much of a different experience other than the ending Mm -hmm. uh, that a lot of the stuff is going to feel very familiar, but let me tell you, this book will sell me on the art easily. I understand why these issues are going for what they are because it is, it's a wonderful book to look at. You know, most comics it's hard for them. It's hard to adapt a movie or a show, uh, especially when it's stuff that depends on, movement and you know uh, a movie like this it's so dependent on cool camera work and stuff like you can't really replicate that frenetic sam raimi style in a comic but the art in this is so cool that uh it's definitely they got the right guy for it and it's very cool to look at a lot of cool images uh and it works really well Uh, a couple other uh, actually quick notes i wanted to bring up i'd forgotten about (laughs) yeah um when i was looking at the fandom for this I noticed uh, one of the bullet points says contains a text narrative written by Kurt Busick. Oh, and so I was like, oh, that's weird. Uh, I wonder if he did like, I didn't know what that meant. The text narrative. I was like, oh, does that mean he's doing the dialogue box, the text boxes or so I went to Twitter and I asked him about it. I'll just read his quote directly. Number one, let me just clarify. <laughs> <laughs> you went to Twitter and just started talking to Kurt Busiek. <laughs> yeah. he, I right. mean, he's really good. I've, I've talked to him on there before. He's really good about replying, you know, and interacting with fans and stuff on there, as long as they're, you know, cordial and stuff. Sure, sure. That's <laughs> number one. That's awesome. And uh, number yep. two, I can't wait to hear what he has to say. So what did he say? <laughs> uh, he just it, It's pretty simple. He just said, I wrote an article on the earlier movies for the first issue, and I did an interview with Bruce Campbell for issues two and three. So he okay. didn't have anything to do with the actual uh, book, the, the comic book itself, but he did some uh, ancillary stuff, I guess, for the in, in the back matter, I guess. Yeah. And he yeah. this would have been early in his comics career, I guess. So and I know he later did a Army of Darkness versus Darkman miniseries he wrote that I have not read yet that I'm excited Ooh. to read at some point. <laughs> wow. No uh, shortage, no shortage of Army of Darkness comics out there. I will oh, say yeah. that much, man. They've crossed over most. And I don't I, I started reading the Army of Darkness books when they first started coming out in like the mid 2000s from Dynamite. Never really was a big fan of them. They were I've always caught, you know, they're OK. And so I kind of lost 
uh, track of them pretty early. But I really like the Army of Darkness versus Marvel Zombies uh, miniseries they did. I'm excited to read the uh, Darkman and Bubba Hotep crossovers that they've Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Which I have not read, but I, I assume are probably pretty cool. Uh, the only other note I had, um, which is something I got from one of the commentary tracks back in the day that I just kind of remembered when we were talking about when you mentioned that th- this is Army of Darkness, which is a sequel to two Evil Dead movies. Like, why didn't they call it Evil Dead 3? And I think the reason uh, Raimi gives is that those movies were not like big hits. They were kind of cult classics, but uh, the studio was like, we don't. This is a universal movie. They were like, we don't want people to think they're watching the third movie that they've never heard of the first two. Like that's not good. No. Uh, and he had an idea to call it the medieval dead at one point and that didn't fly either. So <laughs> hmm. I mean, that rings. Yeah. That's a, that's a, it's a cool title, but yeah that's, yeah, that's pretty much all I got. Pretty cool book. I liked it. I, I don't know if I'll ever read it again because I know, you know, it's pretty much the same as the, the movie, but I'll definitely look up those images again <laughs> and admire some of the, the artwork, which is very cool. Kiss the army of darkness. Uh-huh. Um, then you have army of darkness, Xena warrior princess. Mm-hmm. I think they did two of those. Yep. Vampire <laughs> Vampirella army of darkness. <laughs> see here. Army of darkness reanimator. Mm, yeah, that could be cool. Yeah. Uh, army of darkness, 1992.1. With Ash getting hitched and the Army of Darkness continuously at the heels of the Chosen One, it's the time. It's time to party like it's 1992.1. Dynamite celebrates the success of the Army of Darkness series by going back to a simpler time when the internet was young and the cell phones were ten pounds. This one slot feature. One, let's try that again. One shot feature stories features stories that are classically Ash, but your favorite Army of Darkness writers, James Corick. Steve, I've, I've recognized Corrick. Is that the, oh boy. Uh, Steve Niles, <laughs> Elliot Serrano, and Mike. So it sounds like it's like kind of like an anthology uh, or telling different okay. stories of what's going on, what happened with Ash. So I'm just looking to see if there's any other, uh, what was that? Hellbellies and Deadnecks. Okay. Uh, there are a ton of these books. <laughs> ha- Army of Darkness versus Hack Slash. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, then... Army of Darkness, come on. Army of Darkness, Ash saves Obama. Oh, wow. <laughs> come on. This is, of course, dynamite. I mean, in 2008, 2009, it, comics were lousy with Obama covers and Obama's um, appearances. So. Yeah, yeah. And, all right, yeah, there's the Army of Darkness, Bubba Hotep. You know, I think Spider-Man started that trend, but I believe the Savage Dragon Obama cover predates that. that oh, really? I'm not 100% sure, but I remember there's a cover where essentially Savage Dragon endorses Obama for president on the cover. I've heard of that. That came out before even the Spider-Man one. Nice. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That is our coverage of the the movie adaptation of Army of Darkness, Dark Horses uh, movie adaptation from 1992. Hope you guys enjoyed yourself. I know we had a good time here. So, Chris, I know that you, sir, are running all over the internet with all sorts of podcasts. Uh, so you've done quite a few here on the unspoken issues podcast, but, uh, where else can people find you? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Brody man 34. I do have another podcast called small screeners. I do with my buddy AJ, where we look at direct video and made for TV movies. We do those about once a month. Uh, we're on a little bit of a break right now because in October we (laughs) went into overdrive and, Uh, we did a, our regular small screeners episode, and then we also did four, actually five, special episodes uh, on the 
remake the uh, slasher remakes of the 2010s uh, and the uh, classics that inspired them. So Texas Chainsaw, Friday the 13th, Halloween, and Nightmare on Elm Street. And then we did a fifth episode where we talked about a lot of different stuff uh, Halloween related. So that was we we went into overdrive for uh, for spooky season. <laughs> and you can find all those on the Small Screeners uh, podcast feed. Uh, very good. Very good. Well, uh, yeah, as for the Unspoken Issues podcast, I'm sure there's all sorts of stuff out there in the archive you can go and check out. As of this recording, we have an upcoming show as of this recording uh, where Dean, Derry and myself sat down and we talked about Punisher Euro hit. So mm-hmm. going back to 1992 again, 30 year anniversary <laughs> of a seven issue series that happened in the Punisher comic where Frank Castle and Microchip end up over across the pond in Europe, of course, run afoul of the Kingpin and his nefarious plans. Batrock's in this thing. We have Tarantula showing up. We've got an English version of the Punisher called Outlaw. So uh, a lot of stuff, a lot of fun, a lot of fun locales to talk about. Uh, you know, some big dude, some big bad guy named the bear gets decapitated by a bear trap. Tune in. You do not want to miss that. I have never uh, read that book, but I do remember the cover. So yeah, I'm, you I'm probably excited. yeah. Speaking of dynamite, jumped onto a comic called Garbage Pail Kids Origins. Mm. Just looked at the first issue, solo podcast, me talking about Garbage Pail Kids. I don't know you. you did you ever collect Garbage Pail Kids? You know what gar- about Garbage Pail Kids? When I was there? really little, yeah, they were really popular around the time I was like seven or eight. And, okay, uh, my parents didn't like them. Uh, but eventually they relented and let me and my brothers get some. <laughs> what? A, what? A, now I don't know why that's the case. Kid, you know, I parents think they just were like they were gross. <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing I could think of too. Like, yeah. you know, there was a real like backlash, and I threw like a two-minute video audio clip of like a news report. Yeah, Dan yeah, Rather. Some of those. Yeah, <laughs> Dan Rather's coming on there talking about how. You know, so and so's got the report about how the a uh, lot of teachers are upset, so they wouldn't allow them in the school. Yeah, but it's so funny because at the end of this two minute news report, Dan Rather's this must have been like right at the end of the nightly news because Dan Rather's like, and that's the news, and I don't understand it or something along those lines. He had no <laughs> idea. He doesn't understand that whole garbage pail kids. Yeah, trend. hilarious. A garbage imagine garbage pail kids, but give them a superhero bent. Okay. All right. So your classic garbage pail kid, Adam Bomb. He's the guy sitting there pressing the button and his head's exploding mm-hmm. and a mushroom cloud's coming out of it. I think well, that's probably the most popular of the yep. garbage pail kids. Number 8A was Adam Bomb <laughs> up there in the top right corner, number 8A. So the, the book basically talks about his origin and, and they give him very much a uh, Steve Rogers, Captain America kind of origin where they Let's just say it gets silly, but when you start the comic, dude, it looks like any Marvel comic you've ever seen. Mm. It's people walking around. They look perfectly normal. And then all of a sudden stuff goes off the rails and we start getting Garbage Pail Kids that look very much like Garbage Pail Kids. But yes, a neat, uh, a neat little superhero bent. And I anyway, I cover the first issue. Folks, tune in. If you like Garbage Pail Kids, you get to hear a little bit about my history with the Garbage Pail Kids. And you also get to hear me talk about the very first issue of that, which I will say that I'm going to read the second because <laughs> I thought it was actually pretty uh, a pretty interesting way of making the Garbage Pail Kids universe matter. Uh, so check it out. It's from Dynamite. I'll be I'll be talking about that 
some point a couple weeks but uh that's it for that with that being said for chris armstrong i'm jesse starcher we'll be catching you soon have a good one bye-bye thanks for joining us unspoken issues is part of the unspokendecade.com the home for 90s comics blogs and podcasts unspoken issues also has a facebook group you can join if you are interested just search the unspoken issues podcast and request to join all of this would not be possible without w2mnet.com and the Rattelich and Broadcasting Network. So make sure to seek them out for more podcasts. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please feel free to share, and we look forward to entertaining you again soon. 